reading is from Philippians 1, verses 1 to 14. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so you may be able to discern what is best and may, and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ, Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Gina, for reading that passage from the scriptures for us. We've been thinking uh, earlier about your preparations for Christmas, uh, and obviously Christmas is a happy time for most of us. It's especially a happy time for children uh, when not, they celebrate the birth of Christ, but they're also able to enjoy uh, family time uh, and celebrations. But just imagine that you came together here to worship and a mob gathers. People start to shout threats uh, and to throw stones at the building. And perhaps some of those stones come in and injure people in the building. That's the experience of Fazil and Izana, these two little boys. That was their experience at Christmas time for several years. Because although they live in Ethiopia, and although Ethiopia has a very old church, you'll remember uh, from the, the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8, how Philip led the treasurer of the Queen of Ethiopia to faith in Jesus. Christ, Christ has been worshipped in Ethiopia for many, many hundreds of years. And yet many Christians in Ethiopia live in parts of the country where the majority of people uh, are Muslims, or follow animist traditional religions. And for them, uh, worship is not easy. For them, life is not easy. Fazil and Izana then live in a place where to be a Christian isn't easy. It's a place where worship may be interrupted by trouble. It's a place where many people in the community show hatred towards them and their family because they're Christians. Their father is an evangelist and he attracts quite a lot of hostility. His father is Hermias. 
They tell a story of going out to preach the gospel in their community and being attacked by a mob with weapons, being kicked, beaten, trampled on uh, and abused. And so that, that's a place which is not easy for them to be children. Even going to school is not easy because their school, the, the state school in their village is quite hostile towards them as Christians. And Hermias says that very often they would be marked down in, uh, in their exams and talked down in class because they're from Christian families. So how are the people of Christ to respond to this? Well, in, in this community, Open Doors, they, they, uh, who are a, we're a Christian organisation who support Christians who are persecuted for the name of Jesus, uh, Open Doors supported that, that church in building what they call the Bridge School, a school that would allow them to make a bridge with the local community. And so that school is open to everyone. It's on the church premises. It's also used for Sunday school. But it it functions through the week as a a, a public school that anyone can come to and where the children of poor families would be educated for nothing because they can't pay a small fee. And that school has opened up relations with the, the rest of the community in a wonderful way. Because the families could see that there was a good education being offered there and families who were hostile to the Christian community started to send their children there. Particularly poor families were able to give their children an education that they couldn't otherwise find. And as they came along they began to find the love of Jesus. And that that, uh, bridge began to form with other families in the community. So that families who were hostile began to be friendly. And last Christmas, there were no attacks on the church. Last Christmas, there was a community celebration where Christians were able to share gifts and food and celebration with the local community. And Hermias' prayer for his children and for their friends around who come to the school is I hope they'll all one day join us in being God's children and for Fazil and Hermias for Fazil and Azana rather their their experience of going to school now is a, a friendly place where they enjoy going and playing with their friends and learning their experience in the community is of friendship and of acceptance And that school has helped to bridge that gap in the community. And yet there's many other places in Ethiopia where things remain difficult. That experience of that church of of hostility uh, and of attack is the experience of many Christians worldwide today. As we meet uh, together here, we're also meeting in communion with our brothers and sisters across the world of whom 360 million Christians meet under varying levels of persecution from discrimination, from hostility in the community to being refused jobs, to being refused education to prison and even to death. 
360 million Christians experience high levels of persecution and that's only in the top 50 countries or rather perhaps the bottom 50 countries for hostility to Christians and persecution of Christians. And I'll say a little bit more about that in a minute. But beyond those 50 countries, there are many other countries where Christians face some level of persecution. Nearly half the countries in the world persecute Christians to one extent or another. And that 360 million uh, is, is one in seven of the whole Christian community worldwide. So if we here are the Christian community worldwide, you three in the front here are the persecuted church. And it's our job to love you, to, to support and serve you, and to learn from you, because we have many things to learn from our persecuted brothers and sisters. This is a horrifying number, isn't it? Every day, one in 15... Every day, 15 Christians are killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. That means that since you got up and came to church this morning, two Christians have died for their faith. And of those 15 Christians, 14 are Nigerians. Nigeria is the country with the, with the most direct violence against Christians in the world today. And this is probably actually an underestimate because Nigeria is quite an open country. We know what goes on in Nigeria. We know of the people who are killed there. We don't know all of the people who are uh, worked to death in North Korean labour camps. We don't know all of the Christians who are put in prisons in Eritrea and just left to die. We heard recently of a pastor who had died after serving 10 years in an Eritrean prison. But remember, we might not know them all, but God knows them all. God has not forgotten. He has those names written on his hand. And for those Christians, it is precious to know that there are other brothers and sisters around the world who haven't forgotten them and who are praying for them. We talked a little bit about uh, Fazil and Izana's church being attacked at Christmas. Over 2,000 churches across the world were attacked in, in 2022. Many of them were burnt down, smashed up or blown up, sometimes with people inside them. We know of over 140,000 Christians who've had to leave their homes and seek refuge because of persecution. And again, that also is probably an underestimate. In many senses, the, re- the persecuted church these days is a refugee church. But God is using this, refu- this uh, refugee uh, body. We heard from a, ch- a pastor in Turkey recently who, who said, many people have come to Turkey from Iran, because Iran is a very hostile country to the gospel, and many Christians have had to leave Iran. Some of them already served tra- time in prison, Others have been threatened with prison and they've had to leave their country. And many of them have gone to Turkey because that's a border that's relatively easy to cross and Turkey isn't actually having a war at the moment. And the Turkish government, not surprisingly, has distributed them all around the country so they don't cause too much trouble or or, uh, they're not too visible. And these believers are going round Turkey starting churches. And this pastor said... We had, in this village that we work with, 
We have a service in the morning in Turkish for the Turkish believers and we have a service in Farsi in the afternoon for the Iranian believers and we have a service in Arabic in the evening for the the, uh, Middle Eastern diaspora workers. And this is in a village where there was no church before these Iranians came. So although people are being driven out, they are going out and spreading the gospel. And again, if you think of the the story in the Acts of the Apostles after the martyrdom of Stephen, many Christians were driven out of Jerusalem and they went out and preached the gospel in new areas and new people came to faith. Brothers and sisters, this is going on in our day. God is using this, uh, this displacement to further the gospel. Open Doors, as I say, is a Christian charity who support uh, Christians who are persecuted for their faith. And every year we collect information on persecution and we publish what we call the World Watch List. And this map shows the countries that are on the World Watch List at the moment. The countries in red are the countries where persecution is very severe. It's extreme, often uh, murderous. And for the first time in 2023, the red countries have gone beyond the top 10. Number 11, which is India, is also a, a, a country that is suffering extreme persecution. We gather that together and we publish that. Uh, this is our, um, our guide to the uh, 50 countries where it's most dangerous to be a Christian. You're very welcome to pick up this. Some of you already may have this literature. I've got some of it outside and you're very welcome to pick this up. This gives you an idea of the the situation of the church in each country and the sort of things you could pray for for Christians in that country. And it also has other prayers, for instance, for the children of persecuted believers, prayers for the persecutors. So I I have that. I'm I'm happy to share those with you. Um, We've recently reprinted our children's version of the World Watch List. And my experience is that this version is very popular with adults as well as children because it expresses the same stories but in a, a simple way that's easy to remember uh, for your for your daily prayers I have some of these with me I find these, I, I generally don't leave churches with any of these still left so please feel free to pick them up if you would like more information about what we do um, I've got some ca- some response cards there, and you can fill those in, send them into Open Doors, uh, which will ena- we, we will ena- that will enable us to send you prayer information. Uh, we have a month, we have a two monthly magazine, and a prayer diary, which will give you something to pray for for the persecuted church in these countries uh, for each day, and that is not a pay uh, collection point. You don't have to pay to pray. We're most interested in encouraging you to pray. And we're more than happy to share with you a free copy of Brother Andrew's book, God's Smuggler. Brother Andrew's Dutch pastor who began the work of Open Doors uh, in the 1950s by smuggling Bibles into Eastern Europe. And the work has continued from there. So please come and speak to me about these resources later on. This, these are the top ten countries and the, the, the most difficult country in the world is still North Korea. I was at the, uh, the Open Doors Northern Conference yesterday and we had a lady speaking who had escaped from North Korea. 
uh, and her description of the experiences of the church there are extremely sobering. But God brought her out of there and she and her husband are now pastoring a North Korean congregation in South Korea. So I want to uh, move to just look at that that passage that uh, we read earlier on from uh, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Uh, The Philippian church were a church under persecution because they were living in a, a, a Roman colony where emperor worship was the norm and to refuse to worship the emperor attracted bad attention. And Paul wrote to them from prison This is the persecuted church writing to the persecuted church. And that's the situation for the whole of the New Testament. Every time you pick up your Bible and read from the New Testament, that's a document from the persecuted church. So Paul talks, first of all, he talks about his partnership in the gospel with the Philippian believers. And then I want to say a little bit about what he says about the power of testimony. So partnership in the gospel. Paul was deeply connected to the Philippian church. They were a church that supported him, loved him. They sent him gifts. They even sent him one of their members to come and help Paul. They were a church that gave him lots of support and love. They weren't a troubled church like the churches of Galatia or the church at Corinth who had Paul tearing his hair out as to what they were up to. The Philippian church were a church that partnered with Paul in the gospel. And he appreciated that. You can, As you read that, you can see his love for this church, how he wants them to grow and to develop and to have a great witness for Jesus. And they, he, he appreciated their partnership. He thanked them for their gifts and for their support. And that partnership with the gospel is what we're encouraging people to share in now with the persecuted church. This isn't, this isn't an appeal for our poor brothers and sisters who are so downtrodden and in such great difficulty. This is a, an appeal for each one of us to share in the witness of our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church. You know, when we, when we speak to brothers and sisters in, the, in persecuted countries, their prayer, they don't ask us to pray for the persecution to stop. That amazes me. They ask us to pray that they will be fruitful in the middle of persecution. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about how God is using those thousands of Christians who've been driven out of their homes to other places to share the gospel in those places. And persecution has opened up opportunities to show the love of God in many countries where it was really difficult before. We've, spoke, we've heard a lot from Syrian and Iraqi Christians about how their war-torn, war-torn countries have opened up opportunities to share the gospel and to share the love of God. And they are seeing thousands and thousands of people come to faith in Jesus who would never have given him a second thought before. And so that partnership is a partnership in the, the growth of the gospel of Christ. Almost every one of those 50 countries has a growing church. A church that is growing despite persecution because remember Jesus said I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. Brothers and sisters, in our time the gates of hell are not standing 
against the growth of God's church. And those brothers and sisters also want to have a a relationship with you. They want to thank the people who pray for them, thank the people who care for them, who support them, uh, whether it's financially, whether it's in prayer, whether it's in other ways. They want to say thank you. This is a quote from a, a woman we only know her as Sister J for reasons of safety. Sister J has a ministry with North Korean refugees in China. That's an incredibly dangerous ministry. And that's supported by Open Doors. And this is the message she says, not only the workers, but the ladies, the the refugees that she works with, want to send thanks to the brothers and sisters who have supported them. This is another quote from a a lady who came to speak at our conference last year. Uh, Her name is Tiram. Uh, and she is a trauma counsellor in Nigeria and Tiram deals with people who have suffered physical and mental injury who have lost loved ones who have perhaps seen their houses, their farms their churches burnt down their church leaders murdered Tiram works with these people and she says we in the persecuted church are like an injured foot It's bleeding and the wound is open. When you come alongside through prayer, through support, it's like you soothe the pain and you take care of the wound. That's our ministry uh, in the church in the free west these days. And so I'm asking for people to consider sharing in that partnership in the gospel. And Paul also talks about the power of his testimony. He says, because, uh, because I've been able to share the gospel, almost everybody in the palace where I've been held prisoner knows that I'm in chains for Christ. And you know, Paul's, Paul was under strict confinement in that prison. He was handcuffed to a Roman soldier all the time so that he couldn't escape. He had no privacy at all If he went to sit down, he was handcuffed. If he stood up, he was handcuffed. If he went to the toilet, he was handcuffed to a Roman soldier. But of course, that meant the Roman soldier was handcuffed to Paul. And he had no response, no respite, no way of getting away from Paul talking about Jesus. You know, I can imagine these Roman soldiers getting their shifts at the beginning of the week and going, I've got that mad Christian again. Marcus, will you swap a shift with me? I can't stand it anymore. Because Paul never stopped talking about Jesus. And you know, at the moment in China, if we were meeting in a church in China, there would be cameras here, and this microphone would be tapped by the police. And they'd be watching everything we do. They'd be looking to see who's here. They'd be, looking, they'd be listening to what we say. And they would be, they would be with us the whole service. Nothing we do would escape the police, and they would then use it against us. You might go to work tomorrow and find your job's not there anymore. But of course, those people, those policemen, have to sit and listen to the service. They have to sit and listen to worship. They have to sit while people pray. They have to sit and listen to the gospel being preached. Brothers and sisters, those policemen are at great danger from the Holy Spirit. You know, let's pray that, you know, like John Wesley, their hearts will be strangely warmed 
by the gospel of Jesus because they can't get away from it. And Paul says, everybody knows that I'm in chains for Christ. And he also says, and this is quite remarkable, he says that the brothers and sisters that he knows in that city, they have become more brave about sharing the gospel. They haven't gone, oh, Paul's in prison, it might happen to us, let's be really quiet and, and hide. They have gone, if Paul can, start, can go to prison and can testify to these soldiers, these hard-bitten soldiers, if Paul can do that, so can we. And brothers and sisters, the persecuted church are that same challenge to us. This is the testimony of a man called Rebia, who was a church leader in Iraq, and he was a respectable member of his community, he was a successful businessman, and then Daesh, Islamic State, came, and everybody had to flee with only what they were able to carry. And Rebia says, only when that happened, when that persecution came, only then I began to really trust in God. And only then I really learned what it is to rely on God for everything. And that encouraged my faith. And that's a real challenge to, to us, isn't it? You know, if, if brothers and sisters can be willing to, uh, to, to, be, to suffer and to be abused and even to go to prison and even to be killed for the name of Christ... Isn't that a challenge for us in our country where, by and large, there is no, that, there's no trouble of that level? Yes, many of us find that we, have a, we perhaps have family who oppose our witness. Perhaps at work, people go, oh dear, one of these Jesus people again. And yet, the, what we're facing is nothing to what our brothers and sisters are facing in other parts of the world. I think that's a real challenge to us to increase our witness and to share it. So, if, if, you, if you would like to uh, help persecuted children, like Fazil, what can you do? Well, we've used this, uh, uh, this acronym of give, of give, act, pray, thinking of uh, that bit in Ezekiel about standing in the gap in prayer. And actually... It, the, what we really want people to do is pray it's, it doesn't start with G it doesn't start with give it starts with pray and if you're willing to uh, to spend a little time each day in prayer for our persecuted brothers and sisters we would really welcome that that's what we most want you to do if you're able to give that's wonderful if you're able to give regularly that helps us to plan but if you're able to pray that is the most valuable resource. When we speak to persecuted Christians, they, the fact that they know that there are people who are praying for them across the world is more precious than anything else. What else could you do? Well, we have this act um, uh, uh, heading as well. For instance, you could write to persecuted Christian, encourage them, perhaps share a little bit of the Bible with them, just to let them know that you have not forgotten them. You could write to your MP and, and say to them, could you put a bit of pressure on the Foreign Office? To, you know, if, if, if people want to have a trade deal with Britain, say, well, we'd like to talk to you about Christian persecution in your country. Actually, that's been quite effective. There are Christians in Parliament 
who've been able to have a real influence on, uh, on trade negotiations. So a little bit of uh, pressure on your your uh, your MP. Every year when we release the World Watch List in January, we release it in a meeting in Parliament with MPs. And last year we had nearly 100 MPs came to that. It's, the Open Doors is a real ministry uh, and a, an audience among our legislators. Just a couple of urgent prayer requests. Uh, if you're able to pray for Christians in Gaza and in Israel, very difficult situation uh, where many people are, are hurt, both physically and mentally. Um, please pray for those who are mourning, who are injured. Uh, remember those who were in that Christian hospital that was hit by a missile. Uh, and please pray for uh, the, our regional partners who are supporting communities in all parts of that, of that land. And please pray for a miracle that will end the violence. Bob mentioned to me that you've got uh, mission partners in Myanmar and it's a bit of a forgotten country actually. Uh, It's a country which is number 14 on the world watch list so it's the 14th most dangerous country in the world to be a Christian. And particularly the the military regime there uh, often attack Christian communities or condone attacks from other communities. Um, the, many Christians live uh, or indeed have, have come to Christ from uh, a background of Buddhism or uh, animism or spiritism and their communities often oppose them quite violently many Christians have had to live in refugee camps remember that diaspora uh, that we spoke about earlier and so please pray for them you also, I gather, have a mission partner in Mozambique. Our church have a mission partner in Mozambique as well. Uh, and so we've, we've followed with uh, prayer and with concern the increasing violence, particularly in the north part of Mozambique, where our partner certainly ministers. Um, they, there are a variety of Islamic extremists. Uh, Al-Shabaab from the Horn of Africa have a, a, a branch network in, in Mozambique. Uh, and Islamic State have a branch network in Mozambique so uh, there's a lot of quite extreme violence goes on there and uh, Mozambique is gradually moving up the world watch list also uh, there's a lot of organised crime in that country and apparently they target particularly Christian youth workers Um, so please pray for the church in Mozambique a little commercial, briefly, as a close. Uh, today, it's your church anniversary, and in fact the church that I was speaking at last week also has their church anniversary this week. So congratulations to you. It, today is also the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And uh, Release International, Open Doors, and the Evangelical Alliance are having a joint online prayer meeting this evening at half past seven, uh, and you can register for that on the Evangelical Alliance's website. If you just go there and put in IDOP, you'll get that. Open Doors also has an online prayer webinar at the early December, praying particularly for the, the children of the persecuted church. So thank you very much for, for listening. Uh, thank you for your concern for our persecuted brothers and sisters. And if you'd like to learn any more about that, please come and speak to me afterwards.
Thank you. Let's pray, please. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are God. We thank you that you are building your church throughout the world, even in places where it is incredibly difficult. Lord, we thank you for the testimonies that we heard yesterday of how your gospel is being spread even in North Korea where to own a Bible or to be known as a Christian is an instant death sentence. And Lord, we thank you that you are glorifying your name. Lord, we pray for the persecuted this morning. We pray for those who are constantly in fear of attack. We pray for those who have lost their jobs or their livelihoods because they are Christians. Lord, we pray for the prisoners. We pray for those who feel that they've been forgotten. Help them to know that we have not forgotten them, just as you have not forgotten them. And Lord, we pray that you will stand with them in their suffering. Lord, we pray for those who have lost loved ones through violence, through executions, through disappearances. Lord, we pray that you will sustain them Lord, you will provide for the widows and the orphans through Open Doors and other organisations who support many communities who suffer and have no means of their own livelihoods. And Lord, we pray for the children. Lord, we pray that they will have a better future in which they are not harassed but are able to share the gospel freely and to own your name openly in their communities. Lord, we pray for your people. Lord, sustain them, and as they often ask us, make them fruitful amid persecution, so that your name will be glorified through the Lord Jesus.